Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I love Sundays for family and friends and fabulous food. And of course, delicious conversation. I'm so glad you've tuned in because the culinary landscape is ever evolving. And I am proud to say that for the past 16 years on this show, you've heard from chefs, pastry aficionados, restaurateurs, molecular gastronomers, bloggers and food enthusiasts, cookbook authors, wine geeks, beer experts, and more. And of course, every Sunday... The passionate conversation continues. I dish on everything delicious, wine and spirits too. Plus I touch on travel, tech, health, and living the best life. So I hope that you will not miss a Sunday of delicious conversation with me. I have lots of gastronomic inspiration, by the way, at chefjamie.com. And on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you'll find my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen. And if you missed a show or would like to master a topic, you can, of course, find my podcasts with outlined show descriptions on iTunes, FeedBurner, and Blueberry under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. It's summer. You knew that. And it's hot, isn't it? No matter where you are across the country, we are no doubt experiencing a heat wave. So I thought we should dish on celebrating summer in cool style because I put together a new and updated list for the essential ingredients, my necessities when it comes to making delicious dishes those that are perfect for making no-cook meals. Now, in order to prepare no-cook meals, which are best during the hottest months, right, you want to be able to throw together dishes that come from a well-stocked pantry, items that are full of flavor. So I keep the following on hand to create simple, delectable dishes at a moment's notice without turning on the oven or even firing up the barbecue, that which I love to do, by the way. But sometimes it's nice midweek or even on a weekend to just put something together that's simple and easy and doesn't require the application of any heat. So first and foremost, I always keep canned tuna in the pantry. I happen to like tuna packed in olive oil. It's my favorite. It's rich And it's delicious. And you can always prepare tuna in the traditional fashion for a sandwich or for a salad. You can stuff roasted peppers with it for a Spanish-inspired appetizer. Or you could give it just a little bit of heat by putting it on top of, let's say, a ready-made pizza crust. You do uh, olive tepanade, top it with the good olive oil-packed tuna, and you have a pizza ladière, as they call it in French. It's a fancy pizza that's really full of fabulous flavor. Now, speaking of that olive tepanade, olives are the perfect snack with a cocktail. They're wonderful thrown into a salad. You can blend them in your food processor for an olive paste. And if you did choose to take 10 minutes to boil some linguine, you could toss that olive tepanade or that olive puree into pasta, serve it hot or at room temperature or even cold for a picnic. And I like to have a mix of olives. So I keep black, green olives, and then something pungent like a kalamata on hand. 
Another necessity for the pantry, especially for celebrating summer in cool style. Bottled roasted red peppers, preferably the Spanish kind. I love piquillos. Bottled artichoke hearts. Maybe a good quality uh, gourmet caponata, eggplant salad. Sun-dried tomatoes packed in oil. All essentials. They're all antipasto items. They are scrumptious in a salad. They're lovely on a sandwich. You can puree any one of them or a couple of them combined to make a dip. Set it out with crackers or chips. You're done. And... I have to say, they make a great cold meal because if you put out a wedge of cheese and you put out a big bunch of uh, Melissa's summer sweet grapes and you open a bottle of wine and you have something prepared for dessert, by the time you get through really good conversation, it just about ends up that you're full enough to move on to a sweet. Now, frozen shrimp, I will say, are in my freezer at all times for unannounced guests or when I get really hungry and cannot figure out what I want to eat. I happen to think that frozen shrimp, if you buy good quality, cooked shrimp, frozen uh, specifically, can be easily thawed and then you can, you know, whip up cocktail sauce or buy a store-bought version that you've spiked with extra horseradish and you really have an elegant snack. And if you were you know, really thinking outside the box, I guess you could uh, saute garlic and butter and make a quick scampi. Um, But if you buy good quality shrimp, I think that they are well worth the price. And I think that they are definitely a great go-to. Canned beans, perfect for preparing anything you want packed with protein. So you puree them with extra virgin olive oil and you get a, a wonderful dip, you know, throw in some fresh herbs. You can use them as a sandwich spread as well. And then I've been known to toast garbanzo beans in a saute pan and throw some of my, you know, secret spice rub on top and call it a cocktail snack. Also, I will say, uh, There are a couple of others, a few dried chilies, like canned chipotles and adobo. They add flavor to everything. So you can throw them onto a pizza, add them to your taco filling. Uh, You can add them to salad dressing for a really nice smoky finish or flavor. Um, Nuts are a great protein packed source. And I do throw them into a salad during the summer. Um, I'll finish a dish by garnishing, you know, pine nuts or uh, toasted almonds, even smoked almonds are a really nice flavor enhancer. And then last but not least, you must have lemons on hand. You can make blender lemonade You've heard about blender lemonade, right? Well, you've heard me mention it before. You take a whole lemon and you cut it up with the peel on and all. Just try to remove as many seeds as possible. And you throw it into the blender with a cup of ice, two cups of water, and a quarter of a cup of sugar. And you blend away. And yes, you get what is the most delicious textural because it has some, you know, teeny pieces of the, of the peel and the pith in it. Bright, not too sweet lovely refresher. Yes, blender lemonade is my summer go-to. But then everything else that I make during the summer especially needs that hint of acid. So I always keep lemons on hand. They are an essential produce bin item and I can find millions of ways for you to use them up. Now, um, here's another source of inspiration if you don't mind. Um, I had a BLT party recently Invited some friends over, lined the kitchen countertop with brown butcher paper, 
set out a big pile of crispy, smoky bacon, sliced the heirloom tomatoes that I got from the farmer's market, crisp romaine lettuce, bacon, mayo, more on that later, country bread, toaster alongside. There was a little bit of avocados, some sriracha, some other condiments. Yes, I had a DIY BLT party. And needless to say, it was really delicious and super fun. Now, I know that I just hopefully waxed poetic uh, and shared with you no cook meals for a hot summer, but you just have to cook some bacon off to have a DIY BLT party. The BLT is the sandwich of the people. There is something about the way that juicy tomatoes seep into the mayo-slicked bread, and if you master the perfect BLT, there is something gorgeously simple about it. Then, of course, it's all about making the BLT, and there are a few essentials, and my number one essential is the mayo. I say spike the mayo. It could be as simple as mixing in some lemon zest, as I mentioned, kneading lemons on hand, or adding some roasted garlic to make a traditional aioli, but I make a double bacon BLT, and that means that if you turned on the oven early that morning to make a big batch of bacon so that it didn't heat up the house too much, you make extra bacon. And you crumble six slices of it, six strips of that bacon into your mayonnaise and you will flip over this kicked up version of a BLT made with homemade bacon mayonnaise. Yes, it is outrageously delicious. And then of course there are a few twists like you could make green goddess dressing with that avocado or you could add sliced cucumber or sprouts or arugula for peppery goodness or use the chipotles in the can that I mentioned to make a chipotle vinaigrette for a last drizzle on that BLT to gild the lily. That sounds really good right about now. And there you have it. It's a summer BLT party and it pretty much uses the essentials, right? But trust me, your friends will want to come. In fact, I'll come. And by the way, you can find my double bacon BLT recipe at chefjamie.com. Okay, I have some food news that you can use this week. If you're planning a trip to the happiest place on earth before the end of the summer, there is a new churro in town. That's right. The beloved Disneyland churro is being elevated. And instead of the traditional, they're now coating this s'mores churro in crushed graham crackers, and they pair it with this small cup of marshmallow chocolate dipping sauce. Now, I happen to be a churro fanatic, and I happen to love a s'more. So I hope that you'll try it, taste it, let me know how it is, because I haven't been to Disneyland in just too long, and I'll plan a trip. But from what I understand, it is easily devoured. So when you are at Disneyland celebrating summer, please look for the s'mores churro on a cart near your favorite ride, and then email me, jamie at chefjamie.com, and let me know how absolutely indulgent it was. And please do not touch your dial because there is lots more delicious inspiration coming up. We're going very vegetarian with montage chef Craig Strong right after this. And before the end of the hour, we'll get a cork report from winemaker Kristen Barnheisel of JLor Vineyards and Wine. So stay right there. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this.
Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is an easy way to get your quick fix of culinary entertainment. And yes, we do have the greatest gastronomic thinkers on this show. Imagine this scene. A million-dollar view situated cliffside overlooking 280-degree views of the Pacific Ocean. Gorgeous green grass and flowers galore that melt into sand and then sea. A gorgeously appointed dining room with a glorious outdoor patio to soak up the ocean breeze and the most well-trained, attentive, and professional service you've beheld in as long as you can remember. Welcome to Studio at Montage Laguna Beach. Studio Restaurant has achieved a coveted Forbes five-star rating for the past five years and has earned Wine Spectator's Grand Award with a wine and spirits menu that boasts 131 pages and over 2,500 selections. Montage is the collection of luxury hotels across the country that sets the bar oh so high for vacation and culinary experiences. And Chef Craig Strong is the gastronomic force behind the ever-changing a la carte menus, the multi-course chef's tasting menus, and the private dinners at his elegant chef's table. His culinary influences include France, Spain, and California, and I am so proud to call him my friend. He is here to get us into a California state of mind, and of course, to dish on fabulous food. And yes, Chef Craig Strong graces this show. I'm very glad to have you. Hi, Craig. Hi, Chef Jamie. (laughs) It is great to be here. It's been too long, and I am so glad you're here. And there is much to share. So let's start at the beginning, please, because I read something wonderful about your parents influencing your love for food when it all started. And I think that that your background paves the way for the incredible talent and the extraordinary success we've seen you accomplish? Well, you know, I grew up in mostly San Diego, Mm -hmm. and my dad was working for a drip irrigation company, Hmm. and my mom is a great home cook. So, of course, what do we have is a garden. And in Southern California, it's growing vegetables like there's no tomorrow. And, you know, I have chores that I had to do, and my mom made me pull weeds in the garden. And that was one of the things that I did growing up. And I think watching those tomatoes and zucchinis and eggplants and the things that we were growing, there's just a natural curiosity of what's next with them. So I'd follow her into the kitchen, and she just made some really good, you know, cooked-from-scratch, home-cooked meals. But she put her heart into it, and I saw these great flavors come out, and a passion for food started when I was, you know, seven or eight years old. I was really young. Yeah, really, really early on. I watched my mother cook the same way, you know, so I definitely felt the pull of it. And I love that your father, if I'm not mistaken, always told you to do what you love. But interestingly enough, he and his sort of scientific background and side gave you a different perspective uh, when it came to food as well. Yeah, he has a PhD in chemistry. So the science side of it was developed from him. And my mom always loved doing things with her hands. She's a great painter and draws things very well. Of course she is. I think I'm just, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Isn't that true? Here we have the science side of how 
food is developed and the artistic side kind of blended all into one. Yes, and, and, a, and a beautiful blending for sure. And then living in Barcelona and cooking as you did, you must still love the Spanish influence because I see it in your glorious food. You know, it fits me. Yes. I, I like the Mediterranean lifestyle. I like the food that they eat. Um, my mom ate pretty healthy. So, mm. you know, olive oil driven food and dishes and you know, living by the ocean was, you know, fantastic. And, you know, the Spanish have a very unique thought of how they do things. So when I first thought of being a chef, I went to culinary school at a school called L'Academie des Cuisines, which is run by two French brothers and, of course, embraced everything known to France. Yeah, classic, you know, classic, classic approach. The classic French cooking, exactly. And, you know... That's a great backbone for what I think most of the food is developed by. And when the opportunity came to go to Barcelona, it just added a whole nother facet to what I think of food. Hmm. They, they don't want to be France. They want to be Spain. And thank God for that, because they have an identity that is very unique. Yes. And by being able to use things that I learned from my French mentors and from my Spanish, I can blend things together that really hits Southern California, I think, in a nice way. Mm, that's amazing. You know, embraces seafood and olive oil driven and, you know, a lot of fresh produce and things like that fit Southern California. I mean, people like to eat healthier. And it's not that I don't use butter and cream. I, I do. In no, fact, you do. We, I like that about you. Yeah, we, we serve three different kinds of butter for the bread. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because I, still, I still can taste it. But I think, in general, people want to eat healthier. I, I think there's a strong desire for people to eat vegetarian. That's yes. why we have a vegetarian tasting menu. Okay, and thus part of the reason, I mean, you always have an open invitation here, but the uh, definitely the uh, momentous for the the fact that I wanted you to come on and share your vegetarian delights because they are so innovative, because they are inventive, because there is so much one can do. The, the impetus for the conversation, I should say. But I need to stop for a second and call you a spoiled brat because you, <laughs> you mentioned your mother's garden. And now, by the way, for everyone to know, you've elevated. You have a thousand square foot raised bed garden, and it is one of your daily influences, is it not? It is, and I'll tell you how it started. When I first came here, the general manager at the time was talking to me about his passion for home gardening, and we were kind of sharing some stories about things. Hmm. Six months later after that conversation, he says, Craig, why don't you pop up to my office, and I have something to show you. He lays out the blueprints for this 1,000-square-foot garden. Unbelievable. And it was incredible. I, I just couldn't believe it. And I thought to myself, what an awesome company I am able to work for that has out of one little conversation, they're going to take something that is an idea or a passion of mine and really bring it to fruition. And now we have things at our fingertips that we can put whatever we want in the garden. We can grow anything that 
fits the climate here. Hmm. And it's things that the guests interact with. We had blueberries, for instance, for a while. And out of that blueberry bush, I, I probably didn't use a whole heck of a lot, but there were a lot of guests, kids, that ate them. Okay, Chef, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, more very vegetarian insight from the truly extraordinary Chef Craig Strong of Montage Laguna Beach. Don't go away. We're back and we're dishing because we do have great culinary thinkers on this show. Chef Craig Strong of Montage Resorts is here. What's for dinner tonight? It's Sunday night at home in the Strong House, right? Yeah, Sunday night for me is usually something pretty simple. We'll often invite our neighbors over. In fact, the rule in the neighborhood is if you can smell the barbecue, you're invited. Oh, I love it. So... (laughs) We usually have good wine and simple food and usually a pretty hearty salad. I I love, especially right now in the summertime, have, you know, we have things grown in my garden like kale or Swiss chard, Mm. often citrus squeezed all over it or a really, really good oil and vinegar. I like potatoes and, and bread, crusty bread, like a panzania salad, something like that on the side with, you know, some grilled shrimp and maybe a steak, Mm. you know, a couple things like that. And everything family style, just bottles of wine on the tables, you know, uh, Spanish guitar music playing. Love it. And people just having some fun. If I park... Peach cobbler in the summertime. Oh, peach cobbler will be right there. If I park my car on your street and I (laughs) smell your barbecue, does that constitute an invitation? That's it. Come on in. Okay, good. Thank you. Oh, and before I let you go, wait, we must talk butter. Because at studio, at Montage Laguna Beach, one of the most extraordinary dining experiences you might have in a lifetime. You don't get just one butter to indulge in. You uh, have an offering of three. And you can taste the, the beauty and the differences in each of them accordingly. And I, I thought that was just fabulous, most especially the in-house butter that you make. Well, we have a lemon and garlic butter is the one you're talking about. Is it lemon zest? It is, okay. and, and a little juice. So ah, blended in, okay. And then garlic that's been cooked for a long, long, long time, just very, very slowly cooked in a little bit of grapeseed oil. So n- it's absolutely confit, but it's not brown. It's, I was going to say, not roasted and caramelized in color. No, no it stays white in because a- it's cooked very, very, very slowly. In an oven or on top of the stove? We put it in an area on the stove that's very hot but it's not going to really brown it how interesting could we simulate that at home you could you could just just turn whatever you're you could bake it in the oven actually if you wanted would be a very soft gentle way to do it okay just keep your eye on it like oven roasted tomatoes if you had a pilot light or the lowest temperature your gas oven will go 
Exactly. Okay. And you just want it to go until it just smushes smooth and very, very soft. Strain the oil. You can save that for something at a later use. Yummy. Yeah, a something lot of yummy. lemon zest and juice. Okay. And then butter that's just softened that you puree everything together. Of course, let the garlic cool so it doesn't break your butter. And, and then let it chill. And then we'll put it into a mold so that it gets a nice shape, and then pop it out, and it's ready to serve. We, we serve our butter tempered, so it's at room temperature. And then the other two is we have one that's just just a great butter from Petaluma that tastes very just like that old-world cow milk butter mm. and a goat butter, which is white and really kind of an unusual, fun taste. And then we have two breads that are made by a local baker that does different flavors for us. That is just amazing. And then I have a recipe for brioche that I just fell in love with many years ago, and we bake it every day. It comes out of the oven at about 4 o'clock every day. Yeah, okay, well, tomorrow I'll see you at 4.01 <laughs> because I will tell you that is some of the most beautiful brioche and um, I would, I'd even just take, uh, you know, the, the ends uh, for sandwiches or the, the scraps or the crumbs happily. It was so rich and so delicious. Well, thank you. I, I think that the bread experience at a restaurant is an important one. I so agree. We put a lot of energy into the bread and the butter. Hmm. And, and the cuisine and the support staff and the mixologists and the design and the curated wine list and the cocktails down to the, the absolutely beautiful lavender flower that graces your plate. Um, you are a true testament to perfection and it was my privilege to dine with you recently, but more so to have you on the radio. And I thank you for sharing your passion. Craig, thank you. Chef Jamie, it is an honor considering you one of my friends, and it was a pleasure to cook for you. And I loved every minute of it. It is modern, French-influenced, and Spanish-inspired cuisine, but it is all about California. It is Chef Craig Strong at the helm of Studio Restaurant at Montage Laguna Beach, and talk about an ocean of flavor. This will be a meal, a special occasion, an experience you will never forget. There is more delicious conversation and inspiration in your radio right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Cheers to you and welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Did you know that Chardonnay is the most widely planted white grape in California? In fact, 95,000 acres of Chardonnay grapes are planted in my sunny home state. And I am an enormous fan of J. Lore Chardonnay. 
And at J. Lore Vineyards and Wines, it is the acclaimed female white winemaker, Kristen Barnheisel, that brings two decades of viticulture and winemaking experience, spanning three continents, by the way, to her role as winemaker for all white wines. She's known for her very gifted palate and her technical skill and her style and her winemaking methods have become very true to the J-Lore white wine portfolio that everyone adores. So I thought we would savor summer before it's over and talk white wines with a true trailblazer. Winemaker Kristen Barnheisel of J-Lore Vineyards and Wines is here to fill our glasses. And I'm so glad to have you. Hi, Kristen. Thank you. Hi, it's nice <laughs> to be here. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. Um, okay, let's go back for just a bit. I'd like if you would share some of your winemaking history because I love girl power. You were one of the first women and the first American to work harvest for Rafino in Italy, right? Yes, I was. I was. I was just, um, do you know a little bit of, uh, about my background? I grew up in Sonoma County. Yes. So grew up on the catwalks <laughs> and smelling Chardonnay fermentation smells, which is fabulous. And uh, my, my undergraduate, even growing up there, my undergraduate is actually in Italian literature. Hmm. So I had a chance to study that and study abroad for a year as well um, in Italy. And it was when I was there I decided to go into, into winemaking as a career and, uh, and make something that is, you know, pleasurable for the table and good matches with food and a conduit to conversation. So this is what drew, what drew me to, um, to study winemaking and go to UC Davis but yes, when I was over there and had the opportunity to go back to Italy then, I was one of the first women to work there for Rufino and, and take a lot of lessons there and learn a lot and share a lot of information from California winemaking there as well. It's a very really big deal. It. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's really wonderful to see the work that you did, especially in Italy and, and in Europe more specifically when there were not many women at the time that were making their way in the wine world. And it's too bad you're not a genius, that which you are, because you went on to earn a master's degree in enology from UC Davis. You worked Warwick in South Africa, Opus One. I mean, talk about qualifications, but you came back home, which I think is so interesting. Is it that love of California wine, California style that brought you back? Well, it, it is, yes, yes. And, and, love, and love of home and love of family as well. Sure. And so just being here in my home state and, and getting to work with some of the best vineyards to make mm. these wines is, re- is really important to me. So there was a calling there for sure Yeah, definitely. to come back so. to California. Mm-hmm. When will harvest start? And tell us what you expect from the vintage. I, I mean, I know, pull out your crystal ball, please, <laughs> and, and forecast for us what we should be drinking when. Uh, well, you know, the season here in Monterey and Arroyo Seco is shaping up to be really nice. Good. We've got we've had a really ideal season. You know, we had these great uh, rains in the winter, which yes. were ne- well needed, right? Right. And then, and then the spring, we've had some. It's been kind of a nice mix. We've had some cool, some a little bit warmer, but um, all really nice for kind of moderate ripening all throughout the season. So that's been great to see. Okay, fill your glass. We'll take a quick pause more with the white winemaker of Jaylor Vineyards and Wines, Kristen Barnheisel, right after this.
We're back and we're toasting Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with winemaker Kristen Barnheisel here. Describe the difference, if you would, the two for any Chardonnay lover to understand the two Jaylor Chardonnay offerings side by side. Well, you, yes, they are quite different. You know, if you are looking for something that you, you know to enjoy that's a little bit fresher, you know, and to go, um, I would say a little bit higher acidity. Um, to go with your everyday meals, I think the Riverstone Chardonnay is a fantastic choice. Again, it's a little bit fresher, and that's, mm-hmm. that's due to the uh, the shorter time in New Oak. We have about it's about thirty percent New Oak, so it's got just a touch of oak on it. It has really just enough. Yeah, it just has just enough. enough. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're looking for. And it's got this really nice stone, nice stone fruit mm-hmm. and uh, citrus qualities to it, and and really lazy textures, creaminess coming through all the way, all the way in the palate. Yeah, it's um, and again, so that's really a nice, a fresher style if you like that. And if you're looking for something that's more buttery and more oaky, that's more the Arroyo Vista. And the Arroyo Vista is really it's the the base of it is this Dijon clone seventy six. Hmm. Um, which it gives us this really nice pear and apple and minerality to it. And then we aged 14 months in new oak, and it's about 50% new oak. So, again, it's a, it's a bit more, it's got a bit more of the malactic butter, and it's got a bit more of the oak coming through on that, on that wine. It's and then, all, I mean, both of them in similarities, um, all, of the, all of our Chardonnays aged in oak. So it's all stirred weekly and then topped every three weeks. So, in, in, like, as in, as in Burgundy. So, yes, um, Burgundian so style. So those are kind of, stylistically, those are kind of the differences between the two. One's, a, you know, fresher, you'll get, you know, some of those fresher characters with just a little bit of oak. And the other is just more more dense and more got more layers to it as well on the Arroyo Vista. And then if you like to drink even lighter, the Flume Crossing Sauvignon Blanc, which you mentioned, is probably one of the best uh, food and wine pairings. I could tell you that's my go-to. Like when all else fails, open a bottle of Jaylor Flume Crossing Sauvignon Blanc because it really doesn't matter what I'm making. I know it will work. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's really unique and such a fresh wine to work with. It's very uh, food friendly, like the ultimate in friendliness. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's you know we have we have different vineyards that we work with in this area, and so we have some and you and you get that you know, we have some that, that bring in the sweet herbs and the bell peppers, and we have others that are these great tropical notes. You know, mm. the mango, the passion fruit, what you love, and the fig that yes. really bring up, mm. and it's and it's just a ni- really nice and fresh combination of the two. Yes, yeah, so uh, one thing that's really unique about the flume too is we age it in um, acacia wood yes. as well as stainless. And so that does come through, too, in the texture, because acacia actually gives it that real nice mouthfeel, again, to go with. It's like the balance of that acid and texture. Exactly. To go with the food. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's very dynamic for Sauvignon Blanc. It's, it's texturally and, and flavor-wise, really, it has tremendous depth. So I appreciate that. What does a winemaker drink on a Sunday when she's home? And what are you making and cooking? I know you love to entertain. I do. Yes, I do. I do know I, that. Really good. Really, some great friends. Yeah. So, in fact, I'm having some friends over today. Um, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, you know what, Chris? Cool whites. You know, I I love our uh, Sauvignon Blanc. I love you know having a glass of that. Very refreshing mm. to enjoy on a Sunday. And, and what are and you grilling? 
And grilling usually either shrimp or some seared scallops or nice. lovely little pan-seared scallops on the side. Mm. You know, you can get some a little bit of freshness to it with a little bit of lime. And a little bit or of even richness. some sushi down the street, you know, and, oh, and enjoy that too. There you go. Freshness. My kind of girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right there. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, I thank you very much for giving us a vineyard report. There are certainly, I know, more wonderful whites um, that you are nurturing and blending and delivering to the JLOR portfolio for um, this season for Crush and uh, that we will be able to hopefully open uh, in a, a year or so and sit down and toast you, of course. Uh, JLOR Vineyards and Wines creates wines worthy of your family table. So I hope you will sip and savor one of winemaker Kristen Barnheisel's blends soon. Kristen, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for talking wine. Uh, You're welcome back anytime with a cork report. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Cheers. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of inspiration and conversation. And I certainly hope that I fed your soul and that I made you hungry enough to lick your radio. <laughs> uh, of course, I hope you're toasting this Sunday with a nice glass of white wine and planning to celebrate summer in full style as we have just a few weeks left, in fact. It's been good to us this year, right? I'm trying desperately to hold on to it. I've already frozen tons of slices of peaches from Melissa's Produce for that cold winter afternoon when I have to make a juicy peach cobbler to remember summer. And now I'm making my way through all the beautiful blackberries, jam and smoothies, and definitely blackberry frozen yogurt. I have to say my favorite has been the blackberry frozen yogurt of all the dishes I've made thus far. So I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation. You have got to make this blackberry frozen yogurt in your ice cream machine. You use Greek yogurt. It turns out insanely creamy. It has a few cups of fresh blackberries, a few cups of Greek yogurt, and a can of sweetened condensed milk. So there's no need to make a custard or actually fire up the stove. You just combine the ingredients in the blender and then you pour the mixture into your ice cream maker and you get the most creamy, luscious, delicious frozen yogurt. I will post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, and I will meet you here next Sunday in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Well,